Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello! This is the Relentables Podcast. I'm Jordan Holzer, proudly part of the Believe Podcast Network. And each episode will be covering 90s, 2000s, film, TV, and pop culture. I am not alone. Each episode will be having on special guests to help me relive my childhood. Thank you to Weedis for the intro music. We are back, folks. This week, we have a very special guest. I'm talking about Poppy Monroe. You would, of course, know Poppy as Heather Burge in the Disney Channel original movie, Double Teamed. One of my all-time favorites. We covered it a few weeks ago on the podcast, and it was truly a thrill to speak with Poppy to kind of get into what led her to acting and modeling in the first place, the casting process for Double Teamed, and what she's up to now. I did a little bit of research going into this interview, But Poppy surprised me. Honestly, I really did not know a lot of the facts that she brought up about the making of the movie, the casting process, etc. So I am so glad we're able to clear the record on this podcast and have her really speak firsthand to her experience as a young actress. So let's get right into my interview with actress, model, and wine connoisseur, Poppy Monroe. Let's watch a Disney Channel So I guess we're just going to go right into it. This is not going to take very long. I just kind of wanted to ask you some questions, of course, about Double Team. But I kind of wanted to start, this might be an odd question, with, with your name, right? So Poppy is such a such a unique name. I think I read online that maybe you're born CJ. Is that right? And then I, I just want a little bit of the story of how it became Poppy. Okay, so my birth name is Poppy CJ Monroe. Um, my dad named me for the California State Flower. Um, and my mom's name is Constance Joanna. So they gave me the um, the middle name CJ and spelled it out just to add some insanity to an already interesting name. Um, so that's the origin of the name. I was stuck with it. And um, and it's nice that I have a little tie to my mom, but most people think that um, CJ is short for something and it's not. It's just CJ. Did you always go by Poppy growing up or did you go by CJ as well? Never went by CJ. I had one tiny moment when I was still modeling that they were trying to like burst life into my career. And um, they were like, we're going to change your name. And it just didn't work because everybody already knew me as Poppy. So um, all the photographers were like, why CJ? We don't understand this. And I'm like, I don't either, man. People above my pay grade are making that decision. So I went with it. I imagine like Poppy is such a unique name. Like it's a perfect name for like SAG, right? Like it's so unique yeah. and there's not many probably poppies in, in Hollywood. There's a couple, but it's definitely, um, I'll say in my entire life at this point, I've only met two others. And um, the first one I was 12. Uh, and the second one, I, I didn't even get to meet her. I just saw her name in an audition and she became a lovely famous actress named Poppy Montgomery. So, um, and then of course there's Poppy Harlow, who's bringing the news 
in the best way as a blonde <laughs> with the name Poppy. Serious in care business. And you were born in New Mexico. Is that right? Did you grow up in New Mexico and then move to LA? No. So there's some confusion on that too. Okay. I was born in LA, but by the time I was, I think two, we were in New Mexico. So I spent most of my young life growing up in New Mexico um, and then came back to LA right around high school. And we had some family problems with money. My dad lost our house. He was not very good with money. Um, and so my aunt lived in LA and we went back to get on our feet. And that's sort of where everything took off from. So okay. I'm grateful for it because not a lot of people from my hometown in New Mexico um, have opportunity to travel and to do the things I got to do because of um, a career in film and television. Sure. Did that acting yeah. bug start in New Mexico and that was kind of like the push of why you went out to L.A. or, or how did that start? No, I mean, went out to L.A. because the family was broke and my Aunt Jean lived there. So um, that was what got me to the West Coast. And um, in high school, I was definitely a drama kid, like all about it, a dancer from the time I was probably three. Um, I wish I could sing. It's really terrible <laughs> when I try. Um, so I love to rock it out in karaoke after a couple cocktails, but that's about <laughs> the extent of it. But I think for me, I just, when I look back on my life, where I grew up, we didn't have um, sort of direct access to a lot of media. And so in my home, we had one TV and there was probably three to four stations for the whole town. Oh, wow. And I was just fascinated by what I saw coming through that box. And it was so different than anything I had around me as a, as a kid growing up in a relatively rural area in the mountains. And um, I just was a great mimicker. I loved, I loved acting out all the commercials and annoying my mom and my sister with them. And like I memorized everything I saw and, and then you should, and then they did this and then they did this. I just sort of loved it. I, I never put that together until I started doing commercials and I was really good at it. Um, and I think that just sort of was why just really good at sort of putting that together. Were there any specific like programs or, or movies that grew, you grew up watching that kind of like really inspired you to get into acting or no? No, the acting thing wasn't a thought in my head. Um, but I got to be honest, I don't think I was driven I come from a very hippie family. So um, the idea, my dad was horrified that I even got an agent and got started. Um, but I was really um, somewhat easily led. Like, you are going to be a model. Oh, okay. Like, that's my option. And I will take that because that's an avenue out of um, the life that I'm looking at is not with a lot of possibility. And at some point, my agent sat me down um, at Ford Models and said, you need to be an actress because you keep booking commercials. And, um, you know, the one thing that's interesting is a lot of models do commercials. It's a great way to make money. And, and we're talking before Instagram influencers were a thing. We're talking back in the day when dragons roamed the, the earth <laughs> and, um, and nobody had an iPhone. But, you know, a lot of models were doing commercials to make money. And yeah. um but a lot of the friends that I had and still have were terrified to speak. So if you could walk in the door and string a sentence together and have some fun with it, it was, it was a little bit like lightning in a bottle. So when my agent said, you are going to be an actress now, I went, oh, okay. And then I loved it. I just fell in love with it. It was a completely different way to express myself. And so I can see now how it all sort of strung together, but I, don't, I didn't have a master plan. Like I'm going to LA to be an actress. It was like, I'm in LA because my family's broke. Hmm. And um, I'm going to finish high school and oh, these people want me to model. I sort of stumbled into everything. And um, I'd say the only the only thing I can take full ownership of is uh, 
every time I was given an opportunity, I took it and I took it with an open heart. And sometimes it was very, um, really like frightening and overwhelming. And that's the one thing I have agency over is that I, every time made the decision to move forward into the next step, whatever that would be. I think that's such a, such a rare thing to have, especially at that age. Cause we see this all the time, especially with young child teen actors or models, it's sort of driven by their parents and they're kind of pushed into it. And then it's becoming, you're supporting the family essentially. And it's kind of, everything's yeah. riding on you. There's so much pressure and you're basically an adult as you're a kid. And we've seen how that goes wrong a million, a million times, but it seems like it was so different in your respect. And I think on paper, it's easy to see, oh, you moved out to LA for this, but it really didn't happen as it did on paper. It was more of just happenstance. Yeah, it really was. And I gotta say, you know, you hear those stories a lot, like, oh, she was discovered. Um, I think people get noticed and then the discovery comes from the work that they put in and the choices they make. But what you're saying is very interesting because I just watched the um, Framing Britney Spears documentary. Oh, yeah. And that's a great example of somebody starting a career very young and being very driven for one thing and extremely talented. And you know, when you get a lot of people in the room um, and there's a lot of money to be made, it changes the dynamic for sure. And in some ways, I think I got very lucky that I got to um, sideswipe fame, as we call it, and have enough of a, a life and, and make enough money that I could support myself as an actress and a model. Um, and have a really long run of a career, and that I sort of didn't walk into the place. And part of it, I, you know, I can see a couple of places where I definitely got my own way. I was really afraid, um, but I, it's allowed me to sort of kind of stay out of that mire. And I, I don't know if when you're that famous um, as she was, or some of the other young actors were, if it's possible. Yeah, because you're just not fully grown. And yeah. I'm a fully grown woman, and I still struggle with things that. Um, that are hard or upset me or, or, or sort of are financially driven because I need to make A happen for B. So, you know, you, you hand that to a 15-year-old or a 22-year-old, it's a really different ballgame. Oh, yeah. I think there's always an obligation to almost protect these kids from themselves at times. And when they're given everything at that age, you don't know the ramifications of having that level of fame and, and money at that age and what it could do later on and the damage it could cause. Yeah. And I have to say this, too, because a lot of people don't realize this. You're also in a bubble. So like when I look back in my 20s and, and, and sort of that era growing into, you know, what's brought you and I together today, um, <laughs> you did the work ethic and the amount of time for just me, it was like you're up at four in the morning to be on the set, to get it done. You're there for 22 hours. You know, the only person you're hoping to talk to is your boyfriend and your agent. And, you know, and then you roll from that project right into class and then right into like you're trying constantly to keep it moving. And when it gets some steam underneath it, and I saw it with me as well, it's like, now you have an agent and a lawyer and a manager, and you've got all these other people and the voices in the room are crazy. But I think for a lot of people in that world, especially the fame driven world, you are in a bubble. Yeah. You never get out of it. And the information, the access, the voices, it's, I'd say it's very hard to step away from that and really get a realistic understanding of what's happening to you, for you, um, and what you're participating in. Yeah. And that's the difference between perception and reality, right? Like I think many yeah. people think like, oh, you are surrounded by dozens of people, but yet you could feel so alone in that same vein and same yeah, thing with the true. money and everything around it. It's just, it's not necessarily something that is to be admired because you're right. You're working 22 hour days. You're working crazy. It's, it's just, not like you're just showing up on set and just doing a take and that's it. 
it's rigorous. Like it is just like yeah. standing around waiting, get, sitting in a trailer, like trying to get homework done in between take. Like, yeah. it's not something that is easy for any kid, no less an adult no. to handle. No, and it leaves you in a, a different understanding of sort of how you live your life. I have friends now that are like, did you party like crazy in LA? And I'm like, no, I worked a lot. Um, Cause you know, I was blessed to have the work, but even when I wasn't working, and so if you're a, an actor that isn't working currently on a, a set, but you're working two restaurant jobs and you're going to class and you're building your Instagram profile, that's work too. And it's constant because as you know, in LA, you are constantly pushing to create the energy that gets you to the next thing, which is hopefully more access, more financial security. Um, and also I would be a liar if I said, we don't all feel great when we think we're doing great work and being recognized for it. Um, there's a little bit of ego in there as well. It's like every level gets you to the next place, but in order to do that, you pretty much surrender um, anything outside of it to get there. Yeah, hundred percent. Did you go to a public high school or did you go to a private high school when you oh, were I went to public school, yeah. So how was that like bouncing in between? I don't know if there was a lot of other people pursuing like a career in the arts at that time, but it must've been so different. Like I imagine you get all sorts and kids at that age don't know how to deal with those kind of emotions. I bet no. so you much get like resentment. Maybe people all want to hang around you. Like there's probably a mix of emotions around your classmates. It's funny too, because looking back on it now, I, so I had two things going against me. One is that I moved into California from rural New Mexico um, for right before high school. And so I was the new kid and the new, it's never good to be the new kid, right? And um, as, you know, I got started right before high school and then all of a sudden transferred into the big high school and my hometown, I mean, you could have taken every school we had and put them together and we would not have equaled the amount of people in the high school I went to in California. Um, and so then I also had a lot of nervousness about it. I was, um, at that point our family was falling apart and we were very broke and, you know, I was the sort of, um, you know, I just had a lot of uh, uh, like the feelings of less than like my car was shitty. My clothes were secondhand. Um, and in New Mexico, that was fine and cool. And here it was not like the Birch uh, twins, a double team. <laughs> it kind of, but almost worse. I mean, at least they had something going on. Yeah, they had basketball. <laughs> yeah, they had basketball. So I think I just I think I I, I didn't do a good job of um, leaning in. And I think they did not do a good job of leaning in, right? Because I don't think teenagers do that. Yeah. And then you add, you know, magazine covers and um, a weird lure around fame because we love that. Um, and for me, it was my saving grace. It, it allowed me to sort of focus on getting out of high school and traveling and making money. And I think it just allowed me to have more of a silo of safety. But in some ways, after doing the movie, I wish I would have been on the basketball team. I wish I had joined the soccer team, like yeah. really, because that, like I was a dancer. So a dancer and a drama kid that was now in this silo of like, I'm going somewhere, which a lot of people I know that, that sort of chase dreams like that have, but had I been on a team, the volleyball team, any of the teams, you, you create friendships and a team camaraderie that I think helps, um, especially when you're in high school and you're so vulnerable, helps you float through all that hard stuff which is usually just the in like the swirl inside. Yeah, it helps you build some sort of identity during that yeah. time, which which could go a long way and like, you know, give you identity outside of what you're doing outside the classroom, you know, and what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, it wouldn't have made it so hard. Yeah. Cuz you're you're immediately sort of part of a group, right? So, I could have done the acting, the modeling stuff and still sort of played basketball or probably not basketball, I was not that good at it. But um, you know, volleyball for sure would have been a good one for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I guess I want to jump a little forward now, but I'm so curious about the casting process for Double Team specifically, because obviously if they're going to make this movie about real life, you know, sisters, six foot five, this is a tough task in terms of casting. Are they going to do the parent trap Lindsay Lohan route and just cast one person to play both roles? And it would have been kind of awkward in terms of camera angles on the basketball court, I guess. And, you know, they went with two separate actresses for the, for the part of Heidi and Heather bird so i'm so curious you know when did you first come across a script or a or a casting session was it your agent or a manager that put you up to it like how did it come about so the rumor is and i can't actually say this is true or not but this is what my manager at the time told me was that they had been casting this for a long time and they were struggling because originally they were going for actual like high school athletes basketball players and um you know disney was not signing off on that so they turned it into looking for actors that maybe had some athleticism, maybe were coordinated. Um, and then that was apparently very difficult to find. And so they opened it up even more, I think. And my manager got a hold of it and called me and said, um, I think we found a role that you'd be great for. Um, and this is going to be the best and worst job of your career. Uh, so go get it, Tiger, was basically sort of how that went. <laughs> Um, and I was like, oh my God. So, uh, you know, I started the process, but really what this hinged on was if there was a way to get two actresses that looked enough alike that they could parody it up to, um, to making us believable as twins. And, you know, I, the last uh, session was really a matching. It's like they had six girls and they were just mixing and matching us mm-hmm. to see who looked more like who. And, um, and Annie and I don't look as, as similar forward in the film, you see us a lot looking at each other this way because on the profile, we tend to have a little bit more of a um, similar feature. So that was also very interesting because they always cast us, put us to the side when we were doing stuff because it was more believable. Yeah. No, it seems like that's always the like the tired old question in Hollywood when you have to cast on like this where it's such a, a physical performance. Do we cast actual athletes and teach them to act? or get actors and teach them to play basketball or whatever sport or dance or whatever it may be. And it seems like it always works more when you actually get real actors in there, as opposed to the, it's, I don't know, maybe it's easier to fake it in Hollywood on a, you know, a different sport, as opposed to like just getting some athlete off the street and telling them to go act. Well, and I do think there's something interesting for an actor about trying to completely step into that arena, right? Like we, Annie and I went from being, she was at UCLA. I was a full-time actress at this point we end up being sort of shipped off to basketball camp, which was at um, uh, USC. Um, And the next thing I know, we've got like a coach and a trainer and we're being thrown into um, the first day the USC girls team came out. There was about four of the players that came out to sort of really get us sort of feeling what that would feel like was the first day I was like, "Uh oh, this is bad. This is not good. Um, I've never been so sore in my life. Man, they beat the <laughs> hell out of us. They really did. It was, they took a little bit of pleasure in it, I, I think. It was, um, but it was, it was a great moment because I think for us, we had gone from doing drills back and forth with our coach and trying to get ball handled. I mean, the first thing I was given was, you know, you sign your contract and here's a basketball. Don't take it out of your hands. I want you to sleep with it. I was wow. like, okay. Um, <laughs> but, so we went from that to actually then being sort of thrown into a game just to get the feel because like we were never going to become basketball players and a two month period before we went to film, it was not possible, but at least if we were going to throw the ball or something, the idea was to hopefully give us the feeling of what that would be like. 
some truth in the energy, even if the body isn't fully there. Did you treat it and, almost as like a choreography? Like almost like if it was like a dance? You know, for me, it was funny. Like um, Annie was really good with ball handling. She was great with her hands in that way. And I think she had been a swimmer and I may be wrong about this, but I think she had been a swimmer and she just really instantly took to being able to do a lot of tricks. And her character was the one that did a lot more running. Um, apparently Heidi was more of a, um, a ball handler point guard. It's sort of hard to imagine being that way at like six, five, <laughs> but apparently that's the role that she had played more. And my character spent most of her um, time while we were filming in the center and if I had been the person running, it would have been much harder, I think, for me, because it just turned into like a dancey, not very sporty kind of thing. But when when you had me centered in the middle, um, I'm very good at, at sort of that physical pushing, shoving thing that happens. And that I was comfortable there. I was able to make that feel more real. Rewatching the movie, the basketball scenes are incredible. Like up until the final scene, which I want to get to, because the shuffling the feet, I, I, I honestly- By the way, um, what is that sports? Um, I just got uh, barstool. Yeah, barstool sports giving me so much love. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny, by the way, when they came out with that play-by-play of the final scene where you're shuffling, you're like, "That's automatic. That's a travel. It would be called right away." Which, and- by the way, I got to tell you, the amount of people that were in the mix on creating that scene—I mean, it's not like I invented it or anything. Yeah. I was standing there like, "Okay, what do we do?" <laughs> um, but yeah, that everybody had signed off. Like, yes, this is legal. As long as she doesn't pick her foot up, it's actually legal. She's got to keep her toe on the ground. I was like, all right, it's legal. We'll do it. But yeah, that was funny. I was like, wow, look at that. Double teams. Rises <laughs> again. Did you actually get to meet the real Burge twins either before shooting or at any time during production? No, no we really? did not. But I got to correspond um, with Heather. I don't know if Annie got to correspond with Heidi, but I made it a point um, to get her information because I really wanted to try and understand her a little bit. Um and see if there was anything I could glean from our communication um, about her and family and her relationship with her sister, just trying to understand that dynamic um, a little bit more. She was really sweet though, I have to say, super lovely. So from my research, it seems like to portray you, even though you're pretty tall, I think like what, 5'8"? Five, 5'9". Five, nine. Five, nine? Yeah, we'll give it 5'9". Um, I heard that you had to stand on like Apple boxes during certain scenes and really portray you as the, you know, over six feet tall, like the Birch twins were, was that kind of yeah. awkward to shoot at times, but on the court, you're just there. So you're obviously not six, five, I guess how, I, I guess you get creative with different camera angles and stuff. Well, but. they, they gave us the, sh- the silly shoes. They're like the Herman Munster <laughs> shoes, yeah. right? Like we had those and uh, the basketball ones. So those were really fun to um, try and play basketball. in. is this the um, only time you had to be made to look even taller than you were? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, and, and they, the casting was genius. So the whole basketball team on all sides of filming um, that, that was, there was a height requirement to be shorter um, to make us look taller. This is what Tom Cruise um, does as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't comment on that, but um, maybe. Uh, and then, you know, with regard to sort of how we walked around in school, we were always in tall shoes. Um, and we weren't on Apple boxes um, okay. because there was just too much movement in the in the way that the film went. But we were always in big shoes. And those basketball shoes that were silly were... We use those a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get to 
like, I guess, what was the relationship like with Annie? Did you guys keep in touch after the film? I imagine, you know, most people think if they see two co-stars in a movie together, like, oh, they must be best friends. They must hang out years after the movie when in re- reality, it's just a job that you're doing. And, but I'm just curious, have you kept in touch? Yeah, we keep in touch a little bit. I, we kept in touch a lot more uh, when I was still in LA and, um, you know, she, I got married right after the film and she came to my wedding um, and it's funny, she has a sister that's uh, older and I have a sister that's older. And we both were so sort of, it was interesting to have someone look so familiar because I don't really look like my sister. Um, and, you know, her and her sister didn't look as familiar as we did either at that moment. So it was just a funny thing to see somebody that I was like, wow, we really could be sisters. And um, and so we did, we had a nice little bond going, but, you know, she went back to school to get her degree and we were in very different places at that point. She was on her way, but she's um, she's doing great. And, you know, I, I like to keep up with her a little bit of hellos across the, the Instagram portal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely Instagram has made it easy to keep in touch with people. Uh, I'm curious, did you have any relation to the Disney Channel original movies before you did Double Team? I don't know if you kind of aged out of them at that point, but were you familiar with like the brand and what they were doing at that time? Oh, yeah. It was a huge platform. So they did High School Musical. It, it was either the movie right after Double Teamed or two movies after. And I'd say that was the sort of the pinnacle of what oh, yeah. that Disney original movie format could deliver, right? Um, it's different, I think, because, you know, I was 25 when I did the film. So I had been probably aged out of the Disney, um, the, the Disney identity, um, even before I got started, if you will. But um, I, I can see that that it is a powerful format. Had someone sort of brought me into Disney at 17, I think it would have been a very different career, um, good, bad, or indifferent. But the other thing is when you start out as a model, you're not going after Disney, right? You're going after other things. So the timing doesn't exactly tie together or didn't in the 2000s, right? There's very right. different entities and everything's so collaborated today. And it didn't used to be that way. Yeah, it seems like, at least at the time, they just try to cross over anyone from one of their movies. They just plug into another one of their movies. It was very much incestuous across their films, which I think even you were, took a small part in Tiger Cruise, maybe, which yeah. was which was another uh, a Disney Channel original movie there. So I, yeah. it's a pretty fun fact. I, I guess if maybe... I don't know, if you were 17, you would have probably just been put into all their films, I would imagine. Probably. And then you think about this, right? So I got called into Tiger Cruise by our director, Dwayne Dunham, uh, from Double Teamed. And Dwayne knew that I was a dancer and he was looking for a dance troupe. So that's how I got the call for that. But it's like any industry where you meet people and you work well with them and then you think of them for the next project. I think that's how it starts to just grow. So, you know, he knew that I was a dancer and he called me because he needed a dance troupe for this scene and we'd work together. So he knew I'd show up for work. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the other thing people don't think about in an industry that's so intense is um, somebody that's very yeah available. Well, available, but also shows Punctual. up. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just very, you know, um, professional, if you will. That also goes a long way in an industry where there's a lot of variables that can sure. make it difficult. So I'm so curious as to what kind of led you out of acting, right? Like, I think so many people just like pursue this their entire career. And if you, especially young kids, it either goes one of two ways where either I'm always jealous of people who like know exactly what they want to do at that young of an age. Like for me, it's very rare, like, but again, I'm, I'm very happy for people that are able to figure that out so young. 
But at the same token, it seems like a lot of people either get burnt out or have bad experience and they kind of, it kind of pushes them in a different direction. For you, was it that you just wanted to pursue other things? Did you want to get more into just a more traditional path? Or I guess what, what kind of, uh, this is a very poor way of asking it, but I no, guess what led you out of acting? Um, it's interesting because I don't know very many actors that feel like myself included were capable of doing much else, especially after you've dedicated you know, a couple decades to a career like that. So no, I did not want to get out of acting per se. But um, the one thing I would say to any young actors that are looking to make a career of it is that, you know, there are things outside of just the generalities of getting work that can make it really difficult. And so for me as a woman, um, my mid-20s were a really hard time to work in general. I was like a dead zone. And around 23, I started to make this comeback. And it was like I had aged into an appropriate place and I was working like crazy. And I'd say the same thing happened in my early to mid thirties. And you just have to have enough money in the bank to ride um, the places where you're not working. And it's for no apparent reason when the work stops and it does come back. Um, I fully believe if I had had the finances to stay put and just sort of dig in, then it would come back again and again and again. And there's a, my favorite actress probably on the planet is Betty White. She's a <laughs> testament to this, that, you know, her career it kept coming back. It kept coming back. It kept coming back. Um, but, you know, with that, then there were a couple other big things that happened. And so in 2008, um, we had a massive financial crisis. And that I think through any of my ability to hang in there out the window, like a lot of people in this country. Um, and at the same time, we had a big um, writer's guild strike as well. And so work just, it wasn't happening and it wasn't happening in a much more um, extraordinary way than previously. Um, and so I just ended up like a lot of Americans after 08, trying to figure out what the next move was and pay my rent and uh, take care of my marriage and my dogs and, um, and so I just ended up like, like everyone trying to pivot and figure out what was next. And I'm really grateful um, for, I'd say, um, the opportunities that came through that. But, you know, again, it's sort of like you have to make a decision at some point. And the decision at that time was I, I'm going to take care of myself. And if this is meant to come back around, it will. So, you know, I don't know. I still... There's some Betty White hope here. Maybe <laughs> maybe the Golden Girls 2 will call in a couple of years and um, I'll be ready to rock and roll there. But in the meantime, um, this career that I'm in has been great. It's given me such a great platform to, to learn a completely different skill set than I had as an actress and, um, and to get out there and understand a whole new industry and the business behind an industry, which probably would have helped me much more in my career as a younger person than I realized. Sure. Yeah. And I feel like acting is one of the few things where you need permission from someone else to do your job, right? You can't just go out and, and act, right? Maybe you can, or you go on the street and start acting or, or something, but you really need permission from a casting director, from a director to cast you and, and really give you permission to do so. So it's a, uh, it is a tough business and you're right. You kind of need money. You need to just be able to float yourself doing side jobs, side hustles to get you to the next job yeah. and to the next job. And you also get to the point, it's funny. So like right around, right around 30, I started going to college. I, I, I'm not from a family who's collegiate and um, that wasn't a pathway in my life. It wasn't something I had even considered, but I had a friend who went to college as a sort of a returning grown up, and she's like, you should go to school. And it was in the middle of a big lull. Like I wasn't working. 
um, you know, here I am hustling, doing the side gigs, dancing, working, wait, waitressing, you name it, we're doing it. But you need something as a human, I truly believe, that gives you consistency and structure. And the thing about acting is you go from being extremely structured on a set and consistent to being just like left to the trees. Yeah. And, and if, if you're not auditioning, the next day is like, well, what's happening tomorrow? Well, nothing. I don't have any auditions and I don't have class. And those days can start to escape a little bit. And so school came around for me and, and it was this really great moment when I got my first report card from college at 30. And um, I was like, so you, it's very simple. You may just show up and like I do the work and then I get the good grade. Like this is amazing because it's a meritocracy, entire, right? Everything else is not. <laughs> this is signed me up because this is so simple. But in my other life, right? It's like I'd show up, I do the good work and you don't always get um, the thing you need to sort yep. of keep going. And so I think in this conversation, as I, as I sort of piece it all together, the bigger piece of me allowing myself to step away from acting is realizing that just the, the ability to keep myself in a really good, positive, sane space required at some point, especially in my thirties, more, um, more uh, structure of internal fortitude that felt good for the work I was doing versus being completely um, stuck on the possibility that I may or may not get this job and that everything that was going on around it was built for it, right? So everything in my life at that point was built around acting. And it was, school was the first step out, I think for me to see like, oh, there's more going on here. Um, but then, you know, when I stepped into this job that I have now, I was like, I'll be back in two years. Like the world's going to return and I'll be back. And my agent, I used to look at my agent, oh man, the whole industry's changing. And he's like, keep your job. I'm like, I just hate my job, right? Like, but it, and that's the other piece of it too, is the, the industry of, of um, fame took over the industry of acting. And it's a really different place than it was. I mean, you know, agents now want to know how many Instagram followers you have. Yeah. And I mean, I left before Instagram existed. <laughs> so um, it's just, it's a different, sorry, I shook the camera. Um, it's just a different world. And, and, and I think, I think this happens every, every few decades in every industry, but it's happening with much more speed, especially in my, my tiny um, uh, <laughs> sort of life within the Screen Actors Guild. But you know, where I started and what it became were very different. And I'm curious to see where it goes in the next 10 years. Um, but, you know, the ability to produce your own stuff like you're doing and get it out there and create your own base. Um, that's real. That didn't exist before either. Um, but I am curious to see where it all comes together, where, you know, influencers, actors, musicians, models, singers, um, where we all end up shaking out for the next version of how we tell stories so that people feel better about their lives. Yeah. No, I think it's so important, but you're right. I feel like marketing departments of studios just want to like, I guess it's just a CYA that if they know that someone has whatever million followers, oh, people are going to show up. They have followers that are come see it. So it, you know, we kind of know what the profitability of whatever project it is, you know, we're yeah. covered going in, but I feel like that just loses, it loses something, right? I think it loses new faces. It loses the ability to get like fresh people and also people who know their craft, like not to say that these Instagram models or influencers or no, TikTok stars, that's, that's I mean, a, you know what, that's incredible how they're able to do that and, and get that many followers yeah. and they get that many views on whatever video that they're producing. But at the same time, I feel like it's, you're right. It's going to, it's blending with, with the screen actors mm -hmm. guild and everything that's coming with that. 
for sure. And it's funny because I will say this, like I've never been more excited. This pandemic has been a really good uh, sort of moment, I think, just globally for the world to pause and sort of get a hold of itself. But I've never been so excited to see um, the beautiful work that's coming out of Netflix and Hulu and alternate platforms. And there's great work out there. Amazing shows are happening. Um, there's a different way to get to an audience. And yeah. what's funny to me is how much throwback stuff is making. Oh my God. Um, it's insane. It's, everything's I mean, coming back. Everything. The Mighty Ducks is back. coming back. Like everything is coming yeah. back right now. Like I wouldn't put it past Disney to be calling you soon regarding a, a double team sequel. <laughs> you know, everything yeah. is getting remade. It will. And it's, it, but it's, so there's something exciting about it because that energy alone, you know, I, I, um, I love the craft of it. I love when I go to a movie and something touches me. Yeah. I just watched a beautiful film called Penguin Blossom. Hmm. Um, if you haven't seen it, I highly no. recommend it with Naomi Watts, who's flawless in the film. But I mean, I just it just brought brought so much to the table, and I left feeling very full emotionally from that experience. And so I get excited now when I see that happening because while all this noise is happening. And that's important. That's part of this generational push. And, and it's it, there's opportunity in it as well as chaos. Yeah. There's also this other side where there's money being allocated for things that are smaller projects um, that maybe have newer faces that um, are bringing different ideas to the forefront. And we're seeing more women and more men and women of color all sort of driving into casting, directing, producing, writing. And so it's exciting because there's possibility. Um, and uh, and the future is bright, I think, for the creatives. I completely agree. And I think you're right. I think the streaming services, there's more things that are getting produced than ever before. The development slate is insane at every one of these studios. And I think competition is good and it's breeding more people. And to see Shonda Rhimes get whatever she got, $500 million deal at Netflix. Oh like and Ryan, the show is so good. <laughs> Bridgerton is like the biggest is- show right now. And- so good. All I thought was I want a Duke. Just send me the Duke, right? But- <laughs> She took a concept and turned it upside down. And all of a sudden we're just blowing the idea of race and we're flipping it and we're addressing it in a different way. And I thought it was beautifully done. I loved it. I did. I was in it. Yeah. She's smart. She's yeah. smart, that one. A lot of people in Hollywood, Sam Levinson with what he did with Euphoria and of course, Ryan Murphy. I, the problem wasn't very good in my opinion, but it's very admirable what he's doing there. But I don't know. I got to disagree with you. Really? I love the problem. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I did. I loved it. Because you know what? I could tell that it was a musical. And while I cannot sing, but I am a dancer, I love a musical. And um, something that gets you sort of off your off your your booty and makes you want to sort of jump in and feel good. I loved it. And I felt like it was a big scoop of like yummy ice cream that America needed. That's true. I just don't know if the people that needed to see it were the ones that were going to tune in to watch it. But that's another that's another, I guess. uh, Okay, that's fair. That's fair. (laughs) Uh, Poppy, I've taken enough of your time. I just wanted to end on five rapid fire questions if you're ready. I'm ready. I'm scared, but I'm ready. (laughs) So I think you're in the wine business now. So I want to ask you, what's your favorite wine? Mm, that's a Sophie's choice question because I drink on mood, but I'm going to say champagne, <laughs> champagne. Celebrating, right? Celebrating every day. Every day. <laughs> um, did you have a favorite sports team growing up or favorite sports team currently? No, no, no. The team well, sports nothing in New Mexico, out. right? No, we don't have like anything there to sort of get behind. I mean, there were the Lobos and the Taos Tigers, but <laughs> n- nobody famous really. So no, my ex-husband was a big Knicks fan. So okay. for a while I sort of 
piggy sort of piggy. That's not a good team to piggyback on, honestly. The Knicks. We never had a win. It was not good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Besides Bridgerton, what are you currently binging? Um, Let's see. I just watched the Penguin Blossom. That was fantastic. Um, I'm trying to think. I just closed the Bridgerton down. God, that was good. It's something I just started that I was really into and it's escaping my brain right now. Um, I don't know. It'll come to me sort of consuming all the really cool content that's coming out. I'm also discovering a lot of old things like um, the, uh, there was a great one about a tennis player in a country club that apparently was a big deal a few years ago and it's now come back. Red, Red Oaks. It's a. Oh, I've heard of it. Around yeah. The, yeah. Centered around on the Amazon, country club. Pardon? Is it on Amazon? Yeah. Okay. I think it is on Amazon. That was great. Paul Reiser was in it. He crushed it. Super. It's like very nostalgic eighties country clubby kind of thing. So I'm sort of like guilty of what everybody else is doing, finding one thing and writing it until the wheels come off. <laughs> uh, oh, I did watch the, I'm, I'm crazy about the queen though. I mean, let's just talk about that. I'm just, when, when is the next um, season coming out? Cause that's, <laughs> whew, that's some goodness right there. Uh, did you get to keep anything from the double team set? Yes. So I got, I got sent home with um, one sort of thing, which I, I had forever. And then I finally surrendered, which was the back to my chair, which had my name on it and double teamed on the back. And then the original script, which um, everybody signed at the end of filming. Um, and that was about it. I didn't really want anything else. I surrendered even my stinky shoes at the end of the journey because I was, we were good. It was, it was done. Did you get to try that bacon, bean, and cheese sandwich that's uh, featured so prevalently or no? Uh, yeah, no, he was making them for real. Really? Yeah, he was. And they were pretty terrible. But, um, uh, you know, in true Hollywood fashion, I was like, can we use turkey bacon? <laughs> um, and you coming from Dallas will find that more amusing than anything. Like bacon is a religion here in Texas. And I'm like, no, thanks. I'm good. Um, I think I asked my mom to make me one of those after seeing the movie. And she's like, I'm not making this for you. But I, I really wanted it as a kid. But she was like, no, 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 I'm not making that. <laughs> you know, well, you can try it now. You know? Exactly. You know. I'm an adult. I can make my I can make the rules. OK. I would uh, say maybe throw some scrambled eggs in there and make it a full party. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, last question. If Disney plus Disney did approach you about a, a double team sequel where maybe the bird sisters now are coaching rival high schools with very different philosophies. And, you know, they meet up eventually in the big game. Would you sign on to, uh, to join it? I don't know. I guess it would be two things. It'd have to sort of see what Annie was doing. And I, the other thing is um, if it was even worthwhile to attempt, then probably, yeah, why not? <laughs> Poppy, thank you so much for coming on the Relunchables podcast. I really do appreciate it. You're so welcome, Jordan. Thanks for reaching out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.